0: Thanks for joining us on the Authentic Church Podcast. Let's jump right into this week's message. Trials, okay? Because as we talk about the Christmas story, we talk about the Holy Nights. Guess what? The Holy Nights also brought some holy trials, uh, which tells us when you're following the Lord, when you're obeying God, you don't have to go look for trials. Trials are going to come find you eventually. There's going to be things that happen in your life. There may be some spiritual attacks on you, physical attacks as well. And you maybe not understand why you're going through the things you're going through. But God allows some of these things to happen for a reason. Let me read this. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties. Listen to the wording there nothing but difficulties. See it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up the power of endurance. Please notice the wording here. There's power in endurance. There's power when you have patience. There's power when you have faith. When you wait on the Lord and don't rush things, and trust that God will come in at the right timing and do what he said he would do. There's power in that because your faith will be unshaken by the environment. Meaning you can be right in the middle of chaos and be like, but my Lord's going to show up. He's going to come in. All of you are going to see, okay? Like, I know God is still working on my behalf. So there's power and endurance. And then as your endurance grows, you become stronger. Notice too, you're going to become spiritually stronger against the enemy. You become a threat to the enemy because now you know how to wait on the Lord. So you become stronger and it releases perfection into every part of your being until there was nothing missing and nothing lacking. Meaning there are trials that we have to face in order to learn the revelations that change our life. That's true, but that's hard. Nobody comes here on a Sunday morning saying, I can't wait to go through some attacks today. I can't wait to suffer a little bit for the Lord. No, a lot of times we come in here, we're like, God, please give me the blessing Please give me the answer. Please help me know what I need to do right now. But these trials produce something better in us. And so what I love about the Christmas story, is we talk about the Christmas story, we love it so much because the theme of the Christmas story proves to us that God is always in control. And it doesn't matter the situation. It doesn't matter how chaotic things may look. God is always in control. Because let me say like this. God was not worried about the trials that would come against Mary and Joseph. He already knew. He foreknew the problems that would take place. In fact, he spoke it through the prophets long before the birth of Christ. 700 years. 700 years. He spoke through these prophets, all the trials and tribulations that would come because of the birth of Christ, because of the Son of God coming upon this earth. And as we celebrate the Christmas story, we get excited about these prophecies. But have you ever thought about how these prophecies affected Mary and Joseph? What they thought about the situation, that they're actually living this out. Because we look at these amazing prophecies, and the prophet Isaiah tells us that Jesus would be born of a virgin. That's pretty miraculous, right? And he says this in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. All right, then. The Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Amazing. Amazing. But have you thought about how that played out in their life? How they felt about this? The prophecies that were spoken over them? Because Mary almost lost the love of her life. I want you to think about that. She didn't know how to communicate with Joseph about what really happened. And so she started to show, and she's like, hey, Joseph, <laughs> hey, I know what this looks like. Okay, but listen, you're my only boo. Okay, I need you to know you're the only one for me. And I know what this looks like, but let me explain. Okay, what, what, what happened was... Um, I encountered an angel of the Lord and the Holy Spirit did this. Now give me a hug. Like, like, what would you do? And so many of us would just drive ourselves crazy trying to convince the other person, I love you. I'm doing the right things. Come on. Can we just hug this out? And it can be very frustrating because God chose Mary. Mary didn't sign up for this. God chose Mary. He put favor on her life. But now because of this favor, she's seeing the love of her life almost walk away because even though he loved her. And listen, Joseph really loved Mary. Joseph was a true man of God. Because even when he thought she committed adultery, he wanted to protect her life. Because according to the law of Moses, she could have been stoned to death. He didn't want that to happen. He didn't want her reputation to be ruined. So secretly, privately, he wanted to divorce her so that she could be protected. But she tried to convince him over and over again. It can be so frustrating sometimes trying to convince the people you love that are closest to you what the Lord has spoken over your life. And sometimes when you try to force it, you actually just ruin it. Because then you say things you don't mean right? Then you're saying, well, you just should have faith. (laughs) You need to have more faith. You need to be in your Bible. So-and-so comes there and they believe me. Like, how come you don't believe me? And we start to get irritated and we can mess things up. And what I'm telling you today, listen, instead of you trying to handle things at a whack, let God handle it. Because even though Mary could not convince Joseph, God showed up and he convinced Joseph. God showed up to Joseph in a dream and confirmed that everything that Mary was speaking was true. God will work on your behalf at the right time. And so all you have to do is trust him through the process. But again, if you know the story, then Joseph is now sleeping. The archangel Gabriel shows up in a dream and here's what he says. Matthew chapter one, verse 20 through 23. He says, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the the Lord's message through this prophet, through the prophet Isaiah. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. But what I need you to see is that these holy nights brought in holy trials. Spiritual warfare was taking place. The enemy was trying to kill Jesus. The enemy was trying to stop all of God's plans. But again, anything that God speaks over your life, the enemy cannot steal it. He cannot take it away. He can't break it. So when God speaks a word over your life, you need to write it down. And through every situation, you speak loudly. No, this is what God has for me. This is not my end, for I know what the Lord is doing. But we may go through some holy trials when following the Lord. And so the title of today's message is a little bit different for a Christmas message, but the title is Family Pains, Family Pains, because in the middle of the Christmas story, when there were miraculous things happening and and the joyful news of the birth of Christ, there were also family pains and trials and struggles. And as I was praying this week, listen, this has been a very supernatural week for me. For my family, I do want to say thank you to everybody in the room. If you've been praying over my son, he came home last night fully healthy, back to normal, talking. Um, I know he's healthy because he's eating everything in the house again. So, you know, pray for me on that as well. But it's been a very supernatural week, just leaning in on the Lord. And, And like I said, during the prophetic timing, God's been showing me a lot of things in threes. And he showed me this story that I kept seeing in three different ways out of the scripture. And I knew that the Lord wanted me to preach it today, but I just got to warn you, it's a little bit different. But in the end of the message, it connects to the Christmas story, and it's going to be a little heavy for you, but at the same time, I believe that it can change your life forever. So let's go ahead and dive in. If you have your pens, go ahead and write this down. Point number one, to change your life, you need to learn how to change your steps, In order to change your life, you need to learn how to change your steps, meaning you choose whether you're going to walk into the promises that God has for you, or you're going to choose to walk away. And so if you don't like your life right now, if you don't like where you're heading, then you really need to uh, evaluate everything in your life. Where am I heading? Am I walking away from the Lord, or am I walking into his promises? So I want to show you this story. Let's go to Genesis chapter 35. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis chapter 35, and I didn't plan this because we just finished a series on Joseph, Um, but in Genesis chapter 35, we're actually going to talk a little bit about Jacob, and Jacob is Joseph's father. Now this is kind of the end of Jacob's story right before it shifts over to Joseph, but what I like about Jacob is I feel like a lot of us can relate to Jacob. Jacob was not a perfect man. (laughs) Jacob made a lot of mistakes, and Jacob grew up in a family that was dysfunctional. They had favorites, and he was constantly competing with his brother Esau. In fact, the competition got so bad that Esau wanted to kill him, like literally wanted to kill him, wanted to end his life. So now he's running from his family, he's running from his brother, and he's running from everything, not knowing where he's going until God shows up in his life. And so he starts to encounter the Lord in new ways. But what I love too about Jacob's story, this is very interesting. But in Genesis chapter 32, God allows Jacob to wrestle with him. Have you read that story? God actually allowed him to wrestle with him. And then, this is amazing, God allowed him to win. But how did he he win? Here's a revelation. How did he win? What it was all about. Jacob was wrestling with a lot of things in his life. He was running away from God. So the moment God said, All right, let's do this, let's go, they started to wrestle. Then Jacob said, No, I'm not letting go until you bless me. I'm not letting go until you speak a word over my life right now, which gives us a revelation. God is not scared of you if you want to wrestle with him. In fact, I believe God is initiating it right now. You want to wrestle with him? He's ready. He's in the ring. But the only way to win is to hold on to him. Hold on to him in your pain, in your struggles, when life is falling apart, when you don't understand, when you're angry, all those things, you can wrestle with God and just hold on to him. God, I'm not letting go. I'm gonna hold on until I see the promise that you spoke over my life. And so he looks at his life. Jacob says, I'm tired of living this way. I'm tired of living a life for me, and I want to get right with God. For he had been living 20 years in a place called Padan, Aram, which is modern Iraq today. And he decides, this is so big, he decides to travel back to Bethel. Now, why is that important? Because Bethel is the first place he encountered God. You hear me? Some of us have become so distant from the Lord. We've walked away. We've gone our own route. And God is saying, please come back. Come back to that place where you met me. Come back to that place where you broke down. What was it like when you first encountered the Lord? Do you remember? Were you in tears? Were you joyful? Were you set free from some of the things that were breaking you in life? What was it like? And then why have you forgotten? It's very easy to say, well, pastor, just life gets busy. But maybe you feel like Jacob and you're like, where am I right now? Bethel was the place where Jacob first encountered God and heard his word. And so he tells the family, he says, pack your things. It's time to go back to Bethel and encounter God again. But on the way to Bethel, guess what happened? He got distracted. He got sidetracked. And all of a sudden he gets stuck in a place that God never intended for him to be. He gets in a place called Shechem. And now he's living in Shechem for 10 years, wasting money time not in the promises of god but away from the lord and now he's bringing new pain and new struggles into his life i feel like a lot of us have been there and maybe you're there today maybe you feel like god i'm in check i am in this place for god said i have beautiful blessings for you over here a promise for you but on the way there you got pulled a different direction because you had some different agendas or maybe somebody else had an agenda over your life and you started to believe their lies and you gave in to the deceit and now you're chasing other things that you thought would fulfill you, but they don't fulfill you. But You keep remember the promises over there. Some of us, listen, some of us were walking towards the promises of God until we pursued another relationship we were never meant to. A toxic relationship, somebody who would not protect your heart, somebody who would not care for you and God warned you over and over again, look at the fruit. Look at this person. Look at how they're they're living right now, the things that they're doing in your life. You want to hand your heart over to them? They're going to break it. But hand your heart over to me. I'll protect it. I'll guard it. I got something better for you over here. We get so distracted. It's so easy to go a different route. And the reason I'm preaching this so hard is because disobeying God is always going to lead to pain. When you disobey the Lord, it will always lead to pain. And in Shechem, a place Jacob was not called to be in, his daughter was tragically violated and two of her brothers took vengeance and they killed most of the men in the town. And now Jacob is living like a fugitive in a land God never called him to live in. He is scared for his life. He is hiding from the enemy. And he says, listen, I have had enough. And that's where we get to in Genesis chapter 35, where God shows up and says, remember me, Jacob. You were on your way to the promise to Bethel, but you got distracted by the enemy. Now it is time to follow me. Because if you walk away from God, you walk away from God's protection. Are your steps leading you closer to God's protection or away? And yes, there are trials that happen in our life, even when we're following the Lord, but we see some complications in our life when we think that we know better than the Lord. Jacob was living like a fugitive until he heard from God, return to me. Genesis chapter 35, verse one. Then God said to Jacob, get ready. Get ready and move to Bethel and settle there. Build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau, when you are running for your life, when you were scared to death. Remember, I showed up. I will show up again. Get your family ready and meet me again. And so what I love about the story is that immediately after that, he hears from the Lord. Now he's excited. He's excited because it's been a long time since Jacob had heard from God. So he's telling the family, hey, let's get right with the Lord now. It's time to get right. So the first thing he instructed them to do, or before I get to that, actually, let me read verses two and three. He instructs his family to do a few things. Verse two and three, Jacob told everyone in his household, get rid of all your pagan idols. Purify yourself and put on clean clothing. And it's not that they stunk or anything like that, but it was a symbol. We're gonna be different. We're gonna be changed. Just like in baptism, when you're baptized, you're saying that my old self is dead. I'm now alive in Christ. I want everybody to know I am new. I am a new creation. So they were trying to get ready. They were they were preparing to meet God. You prepare? Meaning, like, do you just show up to church? Just show up. All right, let's get through this, Pastor. You're preaching a little long today. I'm hungry. I get it. I'm hungry too. What are you expecting to hear from the Lord? Because when I, when I hear from him, I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave back into this fallen world. I want to be in his presence and just know that he's here. Listen to this. He, he told him to get ready. Put on clean clothing. We're going to Bethel where we're going to build an altar to the God who answered my prayers. When I was in distress, he's giving a testimony to his family now, to his children. The God who answered my prayers when I was in distress He's been with me wherever I have gone. Jacob noticed God never left his side, even though he wrestled with the Lord over and over again. Even though Jacob decided to do some things that brought pain in his life, God was always there reminding Jacob, I have a promise for you. I spoke a promise upon Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the promise is for you too. A nation will come from your family lineage. A blessing will happen, but the enemy is coming. And he wants to stop every promise. I won't let him. So God is saying, I'll keep meeting you. I'll never leave you. And so I'm looking at the steps that Jacob insisted for his family to do to get right with the Lord. And the first step was this, throw away your idols. Can you write this down? Throw away your idols. And and when I say that, a lot of us are like, well, pastor, I don't have any idols. (laughs) I don't know what that looks like, but I don't have any idols. I don't have any statues in my house, nothing like that, so, so I'm good. But listen, a lot of us say, I love the Lord. But on the other side, I love getting drunk every weekend. I'm going out to places I don't need to be in and, and sleeping around and, and doing all these things. And you don't know this, but these things become an idol because now you don't know how to, how to live without it. The devil's gotten inside of your head and said, this is how you have fun. So if you don't do this, you'll never have fun. And if you live for the Lord, your life is going to be boring. I'm telling you, that is a lie. Ever since I gave my life to the Lord, it's been one supernatural thing after another. Sometimes God says to move to a place. I'm like, okay, God, I got no money, but I will trust you. Sometimes God says, deliver somebody. Okay, God, I don't know them, but let's see what happens. Everything that the Lord is doing is wonderful. It's the enemy's lie to tell you that life is boring. It's so easy to follow the world, but the path is narrow to follow Jesus the blessings on the other side are worth the cost <laughs> and we hold on to these idols. some of us listen you say i love the lord but some of us are like what i really love making money too i love spending a lot of money and, and right now they're telling me that if i keep talking about jesus i'm gonna lose some of my money so i'm gonna you know what where's your money come from where's the blessings come from Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 through 26. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. And you notice when you start living for the world, now all of a sudden, now the Bible is boring. Because now God is telling you things that you don't want to do because you want to keep living for this fulfillment and you start giving your money to all these other things that never redeem you, never restore you, never satisfy. Because the moment you bought it, guess what? You want the next version. And so the Lord is saying, listen, these things are still a blessing from me. Money is not the enemy. But when you worship it, when you put it, As an idol over your life, guess what? Everything will fall apart. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot worship the Lord and worship money, possessions, fame, status, social media status, or whatever it is that you value more than the Lord. Sometimes the idol becomes your relationship that you're in right now. Even people you love, you put them on a pedestal that only God should be on. Let's dive deeper into Jacob's story. He said, get rid of your idols. Why would he say this? The problem was Jacob's wife, Rachel, and and Rachel is his beloved. He loves Rachel. Rachel is also the mother of Joseph. But the problem in Rachel's heart is that she was holding on to her, here it is, her father's idols. What she saw her dad bring into the house. What she saw from her own family. Um, Because when she left her house, when she left her father, Laban, to to pursue this life with Jacob, she couldn't resist not taking some of the idols that she grew up with because those idols were familiar to her. She saw it from her family, so she actually stole some of these idols to take with her, and she never let go of these idols, but Jacob knows. He knew about it, but for some reason, he waited until now to say, hey, it's time to get rid of your idols and the things you grew up with. And we see this in Genesis 31, verse 19. At the time that they left, Laban was some distance away, shearing the sheep. Listen, Rachel stole her father's household idols and took them with her. She was mimicking the leadership she saw in her household. Uh, This reveals something very powerful about the family dynamic. And it's one of those things that either you love it or hate it, (laughs) depending on how you grew up and what you saw from your father figure. But the family tends to follow in the father's footsteps. The family tends to follow in the father's footsteps. Men, whether you like it or not, you have been called and created by God to lead. You've been created and called by God to be a leader. And you can say, I don't want to lead anybody, but guess what? You're still leading somebody and you're either leading them closer to God or further away. Where are your steps going right now? God put this purpose on your life. You can't run away from it. It's here, but you've been called by the Lord to lead Ephesians chapter five, verse 23, for the husband provides leadership for the wife. Head of the wife, just as Christ, listen to the wording here, provides leadership for his church as the savior and reviver of the body. And I get it that a lot of people in our culture today don't like this verse, but it's not demeaning. It doesn't mean that the man just dominates the family. No, it means that he is protecting the family. He's praying for the family, he's guiding the family. Family, let's get together. Let's pray today. I'm hurting i weak, and it's okay as a man, as a leader of the household, to say, I am weak, but the Lord gives me strength. That's something you need to teach your children. That's something you need to express within your, your marriage if you're struggling right now. I know things are a little rocky. The Lord is handling me, and he has wonderful blessings upon us. That's leadership. Ephesians 5, verse 25, also says, for husbands... This this means love your wives as Christ loved the church, for he gave his life for her. Meaning sometimes you're going to have to just pour out everything you wanted, your own agendas, and say, Lord, I put that at the altar. God, I just want to do your will now. And you've given me a family to lead, to love, to protect, to pray over. Do not allow the enemy into your home. Do not allow the enemy into your relationship. Do not allow the enemy to come in and try to steal and break apart. Because again, a lot of us, a lot of us in this room, I feel like a lot of us online, some of us saying, I have a hard time with this pastor because I didn't have a godly father in my life. Pay attention to the good father. Your heavenly father, what are his characteristics? He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never abandon you. He is the provider. He is the protector. And follow in his footsteps, because in those footsteps, after you walk, your family walks in those footsteps as well. Meaning, let me say it like this, a man who lives his life resisting God, not all the time, but most likely will see his children do the same. Because that's the example that was said. But a man who leads by the Spirit of God will see his children led by the Holy Spirit. Here's what the Lord is teaching me right now. Because as a, as a parent, especially of young ones, I just want to fix every mistake for them. I want to tell them how to do things. Here's how you cut that. Here's how you make a sandwich. Here's how you do all these little things, right? I want to make sure that I do all these things for them. But the Lord's been speaking to me let them sometimes fail. So, that instead of you trying to fix their mistakes, the Holy Spirit fixes their mistakes. Let the Holy Spirit speak to them because what changed my life was an encounter with the Spirit of God. And I believe that the same Holy Spirit is going to encounter my children as well at the right time. And so, some of us are like stressed out so much, but really, God is saying, Let the Holy Spirit fight for you right now, protect your family, let the Holy Spirit lead. No matter what, you're leading your family somewhere. Um, let me ask you this question though. Where are you leading your family right now? Does your child, does your children know that their identity is in Jesus Christ or do they think that their identity is in the trophies that make you happy? Do they know that you're a man of faith or a woman of faith in the family or do they just see you come home aggravated and tired and sometimes you punch holes in the wall because you can't control your anger so you go to a drink instead? Some things. If that's you, ask yourself this question, are you tired of it? Really, are are you tired? Because that's not what God has for you. Jacob said, I've had enough. And, And what's beautiful about the story, as soon as he starts pursuing God, he starts hearing from the Lord again. He starts hearing the voice of God because, again, it had been a long time for Jacob. Genesis 35, verse 9 and 10. Now that Jacob had returned from Padan Aram, God appeared to him again at Bethel. Same place he met him the first time. And he had this vision of holy angels coming down and up to heaven. But God blessed him saying, oh, I love this. He met the Lord. Now, the Lord had already spoken this, but he's reminding Jacob sometimes you need reminding of the promises you forgot about when the when you first encountered the lord he spoke a promise over you but through life you forgot about it jacob had to go back and then the lord reminded him hey your name is no longer jacob for jacob in hebrew means deceiver you're no longer a deceiver you're no longer who you used to be all those mistakes are in the past from now on your name is israel in hebrew meaning governed by god following the Lord. I will trust the Lord, and I will follow him. Amazing. Where are you leading your family? I'm not saying it's easy, but the Lord will hold your hand. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. Um, Now, this leads to my second point, which is a little more difficult. Point number two, you can write this down. God can bring life even through death. God can bring life, even through death. Looking at the story, now Jacob is doing all the right things, right? And, And so he goes back to Bethel. He encounters the Lord. He encounters the Lord. He hears the voice of God, but now he instructs his family, hey, let's leave Bethel and let's go on our way to Bethlehem. And we don't know if the Lord told him to do this. He just decided to do it. And so they're traveling now on the dusty road to Bethlehem. Most likely Joseph at this time is around nine years old. Okay, so he's, he's very young and they're listening to the Lord and on the way to the promise of God, the unexpected happens to the family. And not just a little bit of pain, life-changing pain took place. Genesis 35, 16 through 19 then they journeyed from Bethel. And when there was still some distance to go to Ephrath, which is the ancient title of Bethlehem, ancient name of it, Rachel began to give birth and had difficulty. And she suffered severely. When she was in hard labor, the midwife said to her, Do not be afraid, because now you have another son. And if you know Rachel's story, you know that she longed to have children. She desired to have children, she had a really hard time having children, and, and her sister was able to have all these kids, and she was able to see this, and she told Jacob, "Give me children, or I will die." And Jacob's like, "What do you want me to do about it? Like, I can't, I can't control this situation. It's up to God." And she prayed and prayed and prayed, and then the Lord blessed her with Joseph. But now a new boy is coming, and his name is Benjamin. She won't be able to be with him. bone. The midwife could tell she was dying. And she said to her, don't be afraid. You have another son. And as her soul was departing, for she died, she named him Ben-Onai, son of my sorrow. But his father called him Benjamin, son of my right hand. see, Jacob understood what it's like to be called a bad name. He understood a bad identity. He always thought of himself as a deceiver. That's what he did. He would manipulate people, he would try to grab things. He even wrestled with God, but he said, God changed my life. He gave me a brand new name. It's Israel. So I will not name my son off of something that will bring him a burden." And he says, "Instead, Abinonai, I'm going to name him Benjamin, son of my right hand, meaning son of my strength, for the Lord is my strength." When I'm hurting, (laughs) on the dusty road to Bethlehem. Now, most likely, this was at a location uh, called Ramah. Ramah's about five miles away from Bethlehem. And on the dusty road, Jacob is now weeping over the love of his life. He's watching her die. Joseph, being nine years old, is watching his mother die. He's holding new life while seeing the end of another. And maybe you've been through something like that. Maybe you've seen somebody go through something like that, and it's, it's really difficult to understand. I'm going to show you what I believe the healing is in this story. It says Rachel died was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. And if you're like me, when I was reading this, I was like, all right, God, why? Because this is close now to the end of Jacob's story, right before we get to Joseph. It almost ends like this. Why this tragedy when he's trying to do the right thing? They're weeping in a place called Ramah, five miles from Bethlehem, when he's trying to do the right thing. And so I asked the Lord, how do I preach encouragement from this story to you? For your soul. And as I was praying in my office, I heard the word. That's a word too right there. The Lord is speaking. God is moving, right? Uh, Angels are fighting. It's fine. Um, Where was I? I heard the word grace. I heard the word grace. And you may be saying, Pastor, what grace is in this story? Here's what I heard the Lord say. The truth is, the reality was this. Rachel was going to die either way. Rachel was going to die in labor. This was her reality. But before she died, the Lord pressed upon Jacob's heart, and he moved Jacob to lead the family closer to the Lord. And before they traveled, now Jacob is telling his family, hey, it's time to remove the idols you've been holding on to. It's time to remove the sin you've been holding on to, these things you've been holding on to. It's time to get right with the Lord. So before she died, God initiated a situation where she was able to repent and get right before the Lord. God knew she was going to die. It was meant to be. But He also wanted to see her soul saved because we had a short life on this earth. You never know what day is going to be your last. And some of us, I'm telling you, we're holding on to petty little disagreements that do not matter. And God is saying, it's time to go back and forgive and let it go. And we're like, God, I don't want to, but you got to. It's killing you. It's killing the people around you. There's a life to be saved and that life will not be saved unless you say, God, I forgive them. And I'm going to preach the gospel and the truth and, Show them grace. Rachel got right with God right before she died. That's a blessing in disguise. In her death, new life was given. His name was Benjamin. The Lord be my strength, my right hand. Um, I have a lot of people come up to me and they ask me this question sometimes. What? was it that called you into ministry? How did you know that you wanted to be a pastor? And my answer is this, I didn't. <laughs> it was never on my radar. I never thought about becoming a pastor. I really did not get right with the Lord or really saved until I was 21 years old. It was a long time before I really started that relationship with the Lord. And I remember meeting my wife in college when we were dating and she told me, she said, I'm gonna marry a pastor. And I said, well, that's not me. You gotta marry somebody else because that's not gonna be me. That is not in my future right now. But I remember I started to read the Bible and just I started changing the way I was thinking and living and my heart and everything. And it was the night my grandmother died. She had become very sick and she decided and the family decided that she should pass in her home. And so we're we're in the living room. I'd never really seen a death happen before in this way. And a little bit before she, she passed, I'll never forget this moment. She just reached up. She reached up to the sky, and, and I don't know what it was. It's like I still wasn't there yet with the Lord, you know? Like I, I was still learning to recognize his voice, but it was just something on the inside of me that just told me at that very moment, she's preparing for where she's going. She's about to encounter the Lord, the presence of God, how quickly that can come upon your life. How quickly that can happen in a moment. The moment you are about to encounter God, I saw her hands raised and inside it just ignited this this fire. And I looked to my wife and she's looking at me like she doesn't know if she should hug me, if everything's going to be okay. And I'm like, I'm going to be a pastor. And she said, what? <laughs> okay, good. You know, it got her excited, but she's kind of confused on what everything's going on, and I remember the pastor of the church, he came over to the house, and he looked at me and said, everybody okay? And I said, I'm going to be a pastor, and he was like, good luck, kid. You know, like, that's about all he said on that, and I just dove right in. I'll be honest with you. I didn't do nothing, but that my Lord is able, and when he speaks it, it happens. That's all I knew, but isn't it crazy that death brought me new life? Isn't that what Jesus came to do? <laughs> only the son of God could be the one to die for our sins upon the cross and race from the dead. Not only to show us that he has power over death, but that he can give us brand new life as well. Only God can take a situation of death and bring life. Maybe at this point in the sermon, you're saying, pastor, I like this sermon. At least I hope you're saying that. But well, what does this have to do with Christmas. All right, I'm getting there now. Let's fast forward. Jesus has been born in Bethlehem. And in the story, in the middle of miracles, in the middle of angels, in the middle of joyful celebration, the angels are singing praises to the Lord in the sky. There's one verse that seems out of place. There's one verse that a lot of people do not like to read. It's Matthew chapter two, verses 16 through 18. Because the holy knights brought some holy trials. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him because he tried to trick them. He wanted to know the location of Jesus Christ so that he could secretly kill Jesus because he wanted to be worshiped as the king. He didn't want anybody else to be the king. And so he was jealous, and remember, jealousy will always come to kill. We see that theme over and over again throughout the Bible. Jealousy will always come to kill. He wanted to kill the son of God because he thought of himself. Only he thought he should be the only one in that position. And so what the Bible tells us is that he sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem. Who were two years old and under. Based on the wise men's report of the first appearance, Herod's brutal action fulfilled what well, God has spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. Rachel lost her children, most likely in the location of Ramah. She wept for her boys as she was dying. But Jeremiah also spoke, a cry was heard in Ramah. Weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted for they are dead. You see that right in the middle of the Christmas story? These holy trials, holy pain, because we fight a spiritual fight. But let me make it very clear the story does not end there. My last point is this God will take back what the devil tried to steal. God will always come to take back what the devil tried to steal. What was the devil trying to steal? He was trying to steal Rachel's children. He was trying to steal the next generation that would be living for God. He was trying to steal them all, the nation of Israel. He was trying to take away in the birth of Jesus, our hope. The only one who can come and free us and set us free of our sins. I told you God showed me this story three times. That's twice. I want to show you the third time. The third time is found in 2 Kings chapter 24. And in this timeline, this is in between, okay? From 606 BC to 586 BC, Israel has completely turned away from the Lord. And it's pretty horrific because of the idols that they worship. There were child sacrifices that were taking place. Prostitution was taking place in the temple of the Lord. They truly had turned away from God completely. And even though God pleaded with them over and over again to repent, they would not listen. So eventually Babylon comes. And Babylon comes and they destroy the temple, the house of the Lord. And then Nebuchadnezzar gives these instructions, something a little bit different. He tells his soldiers, he says, I want you to go into the house of the Jews and I want you to kidnap and take 10,000, 10,000 of those that have a purpose 10,000 of those that are talented 10,000 of those that seem like we can use them in our land find those that have potential and bring them to me the enemy's land 2nd Kings chapter 24 verse 14 King Nebuchadnezzar took all of Jerusalem captive including all the commanders and the best of the soldiers and craftsmen and artisans and 10,000 and all and so the first time Jeremiah prophesied this, he was actually talking about the Babylonian captivity. This is why he said Rachel was weeping for her children. There was a cry in Ramah. Now again, in Ramah, that's where Rachel lost her children. Now in this story, here's what happened. They brought the families down to Ramah and they held the parents back by chains. And these parents and Ramah in a place of division and hurt already they took their children away. They never see their children again. Separating them at this very moment. Taking the children to the enemy's land taking the youth the next generation to the enemy's land and i need you to understand babylon is still alive today There is a spirit of babylon that still wants to come against your families that still wants to come against the next generation to take the next generation away from god to worship the idols of culture instead but god says listen in the end days i'm coming back to get rid of the spirit of babylon revelation chapter 16 verse 19 so god remembered all of babylon's sins every bit of pain and hurt that babylon has caused and he made her drink the cup that was filled with the wine of his fierce wrath but in ramah there was weeping and i heard one pastor say it like this he said maybe you have chains in front of you today between you and your children and maybe it's chains of addiction holding you back maybe it's chains of of anger, maybe it's chains of separation, maybe it's chains of divorce and broken hearts and being ripped to pieces and lies and deceit and maybe it feels like you can't trust anybody anymore and there's chains between you and every every promise every miracle So again this was another hard one I'm, I'm in the word i'm like god okay how do we bring comfort out of this one and as i prayed i told you the lord has been speaking to me in threes i felt god revealed to me a revelation of this ministry the why of where we're going and what the lord is about to do and i heard the lord say the enemy the spirit of babylon is still after the next generation But what you're gonna do, this church, it's, it's bigger than a building, it's bigger than a new location. It's actually taking down dark principalities in the city of Hickory. We're making the enemy mad because people are getting saved and the youth are watching us online and they're wanting to travel to church again to be in the presence of God. We're seeing families restored. We're seeing the word of God be brought in a fresh revelation. We're seeing worship outshine and go against the darkness of this world. We're crying out because there's, yes, there's darkness around us, but there's an army of light coming back. There's an army of light coming against the enemy. And here's what I heard. These demons want to come against the next generation, but God's house will stand against it god's house will stand in the way matthew chapter 16 verse 18 jesus said to peter upon this rock i will build my church and all the powers of hell will not be able to conquer it there is a youth revival that is coming i'm speaking it right now i felt this and then i remembered Two weeks ago, there was a woman that came up to me and said that she felt the moment she was in here that God was going to reach the next generation. There was going to be a revival for them. I remember that as I was writing this down, and I kid you not, right after I remembered those two things, then all of a sudden the sermon that I'm watching at the very end, he said, there's a youth revival coming. Three times I heard it in that moment in my office see the lord is preparing something keep doing good because in the right time we're going to reap a harvest a blessing we're going to change the next generation they're going to stand up against the enemy and not be afraid of the demons and you may be saying pastor why are you yelling so much today um i'm telling you it's war It's spiritual war right now. And the Lord spoke this to my heart. I want to speak it to you because it ministered to me. God said, let the Holy Spirit fight what you cannot. Let the Holy Spirit take down what the enemy is trying to do. The devil has been roaring. But the Holy Spirit is going to roar back against the counterfeit lion. And he's going to shut him up. I'm telling you. The holy angels have their swords out right now. There is a battle taking place in this culture. And I wrote this down. The world will hear the real roar of the king of kings and lord of lords, the lion of Judah. And I was reminded when Mary asked the archangel Gabriel, how am I going to do this? How is this going to be possible? How will I raise the son of God and protect him? The archangel Gabriel shut up and said, the how is the Holy Spirit. How is the Holy Spirit? The Spirit of God is going to come upon you. The Spirit of God is going to do miraculous things in your life. The Holy Spirit is going to fight the things that you cannot fight. Luke chapter 1, verse 35, the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. There's a covering upon you right now. There's a covering upon the believers in Jesus Christ. There's a covering on this house, and there's a covering on you today. If you're watching online, there's a covering over your house, over your home, over your family, and the Most High will overshadow you, so the baby to be born will be holy." and he will be called the son of God. Ramah was a place of heartache and division, but there's still a miracle coming in Bethlehem. On the way past Ramah, there is Bethlehem, and every promise that the Lord has spoken will come. I got to share this. Jeremiah didn't stop, which is prophesying death. Listen to what he said after that. Again, Jeremiah 31, verse 15 and 16. A cry is heard in Ramah deep anguish and bitter weeping rachel weeps for her children refusing to be comforted for her children are gone but thus says the lord restrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears for your work will be rewarded says the lord and your children will return from the enemy's land God will bring back what the enemy is trying to steal, what he's trying to take away from you. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your happiness. Maybe it's your joy. Maybe it's your faith. Maybe it's your children. This was for the nation of Israel when Jeremiah spoke it, but then Jesus shows up. Declaring the promises for the whole world. For whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The promises are for you today. The devil tried to stop him. He couldn't. The devil's going to try to stop you. He can't. The devil tried to take your faith because of the pain and the trials that have come your way. But Jesus showed up to bring wonderful healing, even in the Christmas story and the trials. God is saying, I'm still in control. And he's still in control today. Bethlehem is right around the corner. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child shall be born, to us a son shall be given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of God. Can we shout this out? Prince of what? Prince of Peace. He's a Prince of Peace. And he's here. And he's offering you a relationship with you right now with him. Miss Future Messages. And if you feel led to give to this ministry, check out the link in the description and see the other ways you can get connected.